Chapter 14 of Jewish Fairy Tales and Fables by Aunt Naomi. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. King Tongue. The King of Persia was very ill, and all the remedies of his doctors had no effect on him whatever. At last he grew impatient with them and summoned all his physicians before him. Where is your boasted skill? he asked. For months now I have lain on this bed of sickness. I am weary with lying here. I feel like a helpless and wounded beast left alone in the fastness of the forest. Be heedful. If your medicines have no effect on me within a week, you shall pay forfeit with your lives. Not one of you shall live. We have done our best, said one of the physicians in a trembling voice, but your illness is so unusual. What matters that, cried the king in a rage. Are ye not unusual men, physicians? Sire, said one of the young physicians coming forward, tis my belief that your majesty is not ill, but bewitched. Then must you remove the spell that is over me. I command it, returned the king. Are not physicians magicians of the art of healing? Truly so, sire, answered the young physician, and with your leave we will cure you, but it will not be easy. What means you, questioned the king in surprise. What difficulties can be placed in the way of the desires of the ruler of Persia? But listen, your majesty, returned the physician, it is a fairy cure which I suggest for your strange illness. Your majesty must drink the milk of a lioness, if it can be obtained. So that is the difficulty, said the king thoughtfully. Are there no brave men in Persia who will undertake this great task? I will undertake it, gracious majesty, said a young officer of the guard standing by the throne. You are a brave man, said the king, glancing with admiration at the handsome and sturdy young officer who stood before him. If successful, you shall not go unrewarded. Should you fail, your courage shall not be forgotten. The officer knelt at the feet of the king, kissed the hem of his royal robe, and immediately started on his dangerous mission. Be heedful, whispered the young physician to him. The fairies give not their remedies to human beings easily. They may lead you into greater danger than the lioness from whom you must obtain the milk. Above all, drink not of the milk yourself. Fear not for me, laughed the young officer. The life of my king is at stake. Why should I think of dangers? They are made but to be overcome by those who have daring. Carefully selecting his weapons and his followers, the young officer started off, taking with him half a dozen sheep. All the people followed him to the gates of the city to wish him success. The young officer and his men plunged immediately into a dense forest infested with wild animals of all kinds. They had to proceed cautiously and they were instructed to take the life of no beast. At night, 
they built a big fire to keep away the animals, and half of the party kept watch, while the other half slept. Towards the early morning, the roaring of a lion was heard, and the officer was quickly awakened. Selecting half a dozen men, and taking two sheep and a strong net, he crept slowly through the tangled undergrowth of the forest, in the direction of the roaring. Soon they came to a clearing where a lion was struggling with an antelope. In a few minutes the struggle ceased, and the lion commenced to feed on his prey. He will take some food to his partner, the lioness, said the officer. Then we shall follow. But the lion was evidently very hungry and devoured the whole of the antelope. Then he lay down to sleep. It was now nearly daylight, and the young officer was puzzled what to do. Suddenly a noise was heard, and a huge yellow body was seen creeping through the long jungle grasses. It was a lioness. She was followed by three tiny cubs. Quick, a sheep, exclaimed the officer, and a poor lamb was tied to a long rope and pushed out of the grass into the clearing. It was some minutes before the lioness saw the sheep, and then, with an angry roar, she sprang upon it and killed it with a blow. Seizing it in her mouth, she was about to carry it off, but the officer, who had crept as near as he dared, suddenly flung his net with unerring aim. It caught the lioness's head and her two forefeet. Finding herself entangled, she turned towards the officer, but just then one of his men flung another net which caught her hind legs. The ropes were tightened quickly, and in a few moments the huge beast lay helpless on the ground. Two of you go and kill the lion while he sleeps, said the officer. One of you run back to the camp and bring the other men and all the ropes we have. Our work is not yet half done. Half a dozen more men soon appeared from the camp, and stealthily approaching the struggling lioness, they threw more nets round her. One of them went quite near and deftly slipped a noose round her forelegs and another around her hind legs. The other ends of these ropes they tied to trees to make the lioness lie still. She was still dangerous, however, for she had bitten the net about her mouth and she snarled and roared fearfully. Taking the dead sheep, the officer stuck it on the spear and thrust it into the lioness's open mouth. He ordered one of the men to hold it there, and then he proceeded to try and milk the animal. She still struggled, and half the milk was spilt, but he managed to fill four leathern bottles. Let us leave the lioness as she is, he said. It would not be fair to kill her after she has been of such use to us. She will free herself in time. We shall not kill the cubs either. They seem frightened, poor things. Let us take one. The mother will be able to attend to the other two in a few hours. With the precious milk carefully guarded, the hunters began their return. But the men were tired, and when the sun rose and shone fiercely, they could scarcely walk. I too feel tired, said the officer at last. 
Let us sleep for a while, and then continue our journey when the sun is less strong in the afternoon. The men were very grateful for this, and in a few moments nearly all of them were fast asleep in the shade of a big banyan tree. Only the officer and one who was ordered to keep guard were awake. It is strange that I cannot sleep, although I am so tired, mused the officer. Perhaps I ought not to sleep, but ought to get back to the palace as quickly as possible. He looked at the leathern bottles containing the lioness's milk. I wonder what it tastes like, he said, opening one. I suppose I ought to take every drop to the king, but I should just like to taste it. Let me see, did not the physician warn me that I must not taste it? I wonder why. Perhaps it is for kings only. Perhaps it will make me a king. He said there was magic in it. I will taste it. He put the bottle to his lips and then quickly put it down. How strange, he said. If I did not know that this was the milk of a lioness, I should say it was like strong wine. It has made me feel quite drowsy. The next minute the officer's head fell heavily to the ground. He was fast asleep. In his sleep the officer had a strange dream. Every part of his body seemed to have got separated and all the parts were quarrelling. We deserve all the credit, said the two legs, proudly standing up. We carried the officer to the place where the lioness was. Without us, he could have done nothing. Don't talk nonsense, said the hands, shaking themselves menacingly. We threw the net that entangled the lioness. Then we milked the beast. It is we who deserve all the credit. Both of you are wrong, said the eyes, blinking, as if they could not keep themselves awake. We saw the lioness, and we directed your footsteps, feet, and your movements, hands. The feet looked like getting ready to kick. One of the hands clenched itself into a fist, and it appeared as if a fight was inevitable. Listen to me, said the heart in a throbbing voice. You all claim too much. After all, it was I who inspired the idea. Had it not been for me, the impulse would never have entered the officer's mind to undertake the task. Which reminds me, said the mind thoughtfully, that I deserve the most credit. It is one thing to get hold of an impulse, but it is another to put it into force. I made up the officer's mind and made him suggest that he would get the milk. Is it not so? The legs, the hands, the eyes and the heart seemed abashed for a moment, and the tongue took advantage of the silence to burst out with the remark that he was chiefly responsible for the great enterprise. Rubbish! exclaimed the others angrily. You don't know what you are talking about. You wag because you can't help it. You stop in your little prison, the mouth, or we shall tell our friends the teeth to bite you. The tongue thrust itself out very pointedly. Just you be careful, it said. You are all very clever, and I am a prisoner, of course. 
but I warn you not to offend me. If I take my revenge, you will all get hurt, and then you will see that I am more important than all of you. Don't talk so much, retorted the others. But before another word could be said, the officer showed signs of waking, and the hands and feet and the other parts of the body took their proper places. What a funny dream, exclaimed the officer waking up, and oh, how my head does ache. I ought not to have tasted that milk. When he got up, he found that he could not walk quite steadily, and the journey to the city took longer than he expected. A great crowd awaited him at the gates. They cheered him. They carried him shoulder high. They decorated the city and in every way manifested their great joy. Our king will soon be well again thanks to the brave officer, they cried, and a public holiday was proclaimed. The officer was brought before the king, holding the leather bottles containing the milk in his hand. Have you succeeded? inquired the king anxiously. The officer seemed dazed and unsteady. He pressed his hands to his head, then suddenly holding out the bottles, he said huskily, Here, your majesty, I have brought, uh, I have brought your majesty the milk of the dog. The dog? What means you, slave? cried the king in a rage. I don't know, replied the officer unsteadily. Cast the slave into a dungeon cell and bind him with strong chains, cried the king. I will teach him to play such pranks with me. His attendants obeyed, and the officer was put in irons and locked in a dark prison cell. I will surely be put to death, he said to himself, and at the thought of this he trembled all over. Then it seemed to him that his hands and feet were talking again. We shall have to walk to the scaffold, said the feet, and I shall have to stop beating, said the heart. The tongue, however, was not sorrowful at all. Did I not warn you all, it said. I told you to be careful. Will you not admit now that I have more power than all of you? I am king of the body. Just see what I have done with one little word. I simply said dog instead of lioness, and you are all imprisoned. Suppose we acknowledge your power, said the hands. Will you help us out of this great trouble? Yes, I will, replied the tongue. At least I'll try hard. But you must all keep quiet. This they agreed to do. And when the prisoner was brought before the king for sentence, the tongue asked for permission to say a few words. The request was granted, and then the tongue displayed all its powers of eloquence. O mighty king, live forever, it exclaimed, and have mercy on me, thy slave, who risked his life in thy service. O mighty ruler of this great land, be thou truly great in all attributes of majesty, and spare the life of him who thought not of his own in thy hour of need. I ask not for reward for my service, I ask only that my life should be spared, that I may devote it to thee. I have heard you patiently, returned the king sorrowfully, 
and it grieves me to have to utter the dread sentence of death. But where has been your great service? Did you not bring dog's milk and not the milk of a lioness? It is not so, gracious majesty, the officer replied. The milk is truly that of a lioness. Those who were with me can vouchsafe for that. I tasted it. That was my sin. For that I have been punished. It was like strong wine. It made me giddy, and in my eagerness to tell thee, my tongue played me false. It was but a slip, sire. The words dog and lioness are so much alike in Persian. Put the milk to the test. A dog, I swear, will not touch it, but will fly from its mere smell. The king was thoughtful for a while. Then he ordered one of his dogs to be brought. A little of the milk was poured from one of the leathern bottles and put before the dog. No sooner did the animal put his nose to the sauce, however, than it gave a great growl of fear and fled quickly from the room. It is not dog's milk, said the physician, who had suggested the milk of a lioness to the king. That is clear. But we can make an even better test. One of the men brought a lion cub back with him. Will your majesty permit that this milk be offered to the cub? The cub was brought, and it lapped the milk very greedily. You are pardoned, said the king to the officer, and for your bravery you shall be rewarded. The milk of the lioness soon cured the king of his illness, and afterwards, whenever the young officer lay down to sleep, he always imagined that he heard the tongue say to the other parts of the body, You see, I am king. I have great powers both for good and evil. The officer guarded his tongue as well as his king after that, and he was promoted to be chief of the guard. In that high position he lived happily until the end of his days. End of chapter 14 and End of Jewish Fairy Tales and Fables by Aunt Naomi or Gertrude Lander